This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. You know, here's a life tip. Get your fat ass up and go work out. I just did. I just did just a mile over here on this elliptical. That's from like 1986. And I got to tell you, I got to tell you, I feel good. I feel great. Welcome. Hope you are having a fantastic morning. I am. Welcome to everybody on the YouTube chat. We're here on Twitter. We're here on Outkick.com. The, I'm telling you right now, this is a fact. Uh, I'm Years and years, even within the last six months, my go-to was always to go to Outkick, or excuse me, go to ESPN when I wanted to go to a website. Now it's totally changed. I go to Outkick.com. It's my go-to website, and it's going to be that for college football because we're going to have all kinds of scores up. We have all kinds of stuff. It's going to be the best website going, and we got unbelievable writers that tell the truth. Let me ask you a question. Did you know Mikhail Gorbachev was still alive? Gun to head. If I asked you yesterday, this time, 9 a.m., is Gorbachev alive? You'd have gone, what are you talking about? Alive? That dude's been dead 10 years. I know. I'm telling you. I swear to you. I thought my man had been dead. I don't even know how long I thought. 10 years, a decade. I text Jason Benetti last night. I said, who knew? I thought Gorby was gone 10 years. I did. Tear down that wall. I mean, Gorby was an iconic figure back, I don't know, 80s, 90s. He's 91 years old. He passed away yesterday. Uh, rest in peace, you know, thoughts and prayers. What a great, amazing life. But I thought he was dead 10 years. And if that's being insensitive, I don't know what to tell you. It's so funny. uh, When he passed away, I I didn't know. And I got all these emails on my show yesterday from people saying, did you even know he was still alive? Good for him, man. He kept under the radar. He kept to himself. But this is one of the coolest things you're going to see all day. This is the leader of the USSR, Mikhail Gorbachev, in a Pizza Hut commercial. That's right. Let's go. Is that awesome? Is that freaking awesome? That is fantastic, right? Gorby, baby, on a Pizza Hut commercial. I don't know how. I, I don't. I don't know how. Anybody could not like that. Like, If I were a political candidate, maybe not a candidate, but if I were a, you know, let's say I'm Biden. At some point, I I think Biden should make fun of himself. Like if Biden were truly not just this stick in the backside politician, I think he should make fun of himself. I think he should be one of those guys that does something like that. I think that he should... I don't know, um, make fun of yourself. Like, everybody should make fun of themselves. I make fun of myself all the time. 
But Gorby, I don't know if he was making fun of himself, but I do know this. That's awesome. And apparently in making that commercial, Mikhail Gorbachev said, I'm not eating on camera. Apparently it's impolite. So in making that commercial, they spent hours and hours trying to figure out how to make it such that he did, you know, most commercials, you take a bite and the cheese comes off of the pizza and it's a beautiful moment and everybody's happy and blah, 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 blah. Well, apparently Gorby said, nah, uh, no, it's disrespectful. It's uncouth, I think was the word that I read, to eat on camera so he would not do it. So that commercial took a little bit longer than what normally would. All right. I don't think John Gruden ever gets another NFL job. I don't think John Gruden is even going to be considered for an NFL job. He's never really been a college coach, so I don't know that he would ever be considered for a college job. Now, maybe, but I can't imagine after the emails, after what he said uh, about various people, including the head of the NFL PA, DeMora Smith, what he said uh, about uh, gay folks, what he said about and how he phrased it about Demora Smith, how he phrased it about Roger Goodell. But yesterday, yesterday, well, John Gruden was speaking to a group of alums with the Arkansas Touchdown Club talking about the Arkansas game with Cincinnati. And here's what Gruden had to say. He apologized. And of course, the apology wasn't accepted by the morons in this world. But here's Gruden apologizing. I know you're obviously you're in a lawsuit right now, so you can't really comment on that particularly. But, you know, the kind of person you are, I, I thought maybe it was important that maybe you sort of share and just my little bit of exposure around you and the things I've read that your players have said uh, and your and your assistants have said and the coaches you've been under. Um, I think maybe there's been a different kind of person portrayed. I just want to give you the, the chance to talk about that. Well, I appreciate it. I'm, I'm not going to. Um... Uh, say anything but honest things here. I'm ashamed about uh, what has uh, come about in these emails, and I'll make no uh, excuses for it. It's just, it's, it's shameful. But uh, I am a good person. I believe that. I, I'm, I, I go to church. I've been married for 31 years. I got three great boys. I still love football. I've made some mistakes, but I don't think anybody else in here hasn't. Uh, and I just ask for forgiveness, and hopefully I get another shot. But I, I, get, I get choked up, you know, because uh, there's a lot of misunderstanding out there right now. What you read, what you hear, what you watch on TV. Hell, I worked at ESPN for nine years. I worked hard at that job. I don't even want to watch the channel anymore uh, because I don't believe everything is true. Uh, and I know a lot of it is, is just trying to get people to watch. But I think we got to get back to reality, and that's why I look forward to Saturdays, because you're going to get what you deserve when the whistle blows, and we'll see if the Razorbacks can get after Cincinnati, which I hope they do. Yeah, as a matter of fact. Yeah, look, so now what people say is, well, just because you go to church, a lot of bad people go to church. Well, of course. Well, as long as Gruden says he's a good person, well, of course. You know what? Who cares? Yeah, I mean, people just want the perfect person. We don't have perfect people. Gruden made a mistake, and he's not going to get back into coaching. Uh, you know, people can make mistakes, but in this environment, you can't make the kind of mistakes that John Gruden made. You just can't. As to his apology, good for him, man. I mean, the one thing that you got to understand about public life 
And this is so true, maybe in all life, but you can do 50 years of great things. You do one thing, you screw up for a while. And man, that's what you do. I've been on radio 15 years. I've done three things that I regret. And that's all anybody talks about, right? And they lie about them. So I totally understand what Gruden's talking about. ESPN doesn't have anybody's back. ESPN, they can talk about the ESPN family. Gruden, Gruden understands it exactly. When they start reporting stuff, they're not reporting the truth. They're not serving the sports listener. They're serving their own bottom line. But everybody knows that. That's why I love being here with OutKick. I say it every day. I love being here with OutKick because whether you agree or not, I don't have an agenda to get you to watch. Actually, I do. My one agenda to get you to watch is try to be the most interesting host and give you the most interesting news. Anybody can tell you a score. We want to show you things like that. We want to show you things like Gorbachev's commercial. And by the way, uh, they had some copyrighted music under it, so we had to keep it silent. But you saw the meaning of the commercial because I couldn't hear it. And I told my guys, I couldn't hear it. What are we doing? But anyway, Ryan and Dylan are always on it, always really good. But the deal is simply this. Uh, you should apologize for those type things. The public needs to see it. But don't apologize for made-up stuff. Never, ever, ever apologize for something that is made up by a woke crowd. I have a situation like that. People said I called a kid a meth head. Never called a kid a meth head. Never did, never will. I've always been about kids. I challenged the Indy Star, $5,000. Some kid stepped forward. He said me. No, he did not even know who the kid was. So the star ran with it. That's their slant. It's not honest. But that's what Gruden is talking about. You get a slant. You want people to read your paper. Like I looked at it. The Indy Star got 10 times as many views on a story with me than any other story, including the Colts. I get it. So you write nonsense. You write BS. You write garbage. And so that's what Gruden's saying here. Look, you put Gruden up on ESPN, very popular figure. He knows nobody's going to tell the truth. And it's not just ESPN. It's everyone basically but here, if you want to know the truth. Look, I get up every day. I come here. I do the job. At night, Ryan and Dylan send me homework. I look at it. I'm not going to tell you three balls, two strikes. I'm going to tell you, I try to give you an honest opinion about as much sports as we possibly can that fits with the... That, that fits with what OutKick wants with his just simply tell the truth. And that's what Gruden's talking about. When you watch these shows, ain't nobody telling the truth. When you watch these shows, why do you think Stephen A. Smith's on there? There's two reasons Stephen A. Smith is on ESPN all the time. One, he's really easy to work with. I mean, he is a terrific, terrific guy to work with. Everybody tells me that. I knew his producers when I was at ESPN. Uh, I got to know him. And, you know, the truth of the matter is, easy to work with, will do anything. And he stirs it up. He stirs it up by talking about stuff he literally has no idea about, but that's okay. That's the world we live in, and that's what Gruden's talking about. Where it gets hurtful is when a guy goes through a crisis like Gruden did, and in Gruden's life, that's a crisis. And then you watch on your network things that are said that are simply not true. That people that are saying them know better. And that's where you're like, man, screw you. That's what happened to me with the Indy Star. Guy Greg Doyle writes something. He knows better than the crap that he wrote. He knows what's true and what's not, but he wrote it anyway. So you just, you move along. Good out does evil every time. So that's what Gruden's got to hope for. All right. Not a whole lot of surprising cuts in the NFL. Not a whole lot. I mean, I was a little bit surprised that Philip Lindsay here in Indianapolis got cut. I thought they brought him in 
to be the backup running back, but it's really no different as to why Marlon Mack got cut last year or why Marlon Mack got cut this year. Marlon Mack, well, you see him bottom right, 1,000-yard rusher for the Colts, tore his Achilles. He was out, was a great teammate. See, this is where I have a hard time. All right, I have a hard time. Like in Indianapolis, the general manager and everybody talks about these great relationships we have. We have these great relationships. All right, great relationships. Marlon Mack was a great teammate. Marlon Mack rushed for over 1,000 yards. Jonathan Taylor came in when Marlon Mack was out, and he wally-pipped him. Lou Gehrig to wally-pip. Look it up if you don't know the reference. It's a legendary reference. Marlon Mack then stayed around. Andrew Luck did not. All you fans out there thinking Andrew Luck was this great teammate, you're out of your mind. Andrew Luck took off and went skiing in Europe and got hurt. When Andrew Luck was hurt, he couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. Marlon Mack stayed, and all I heard was great teammate. Oh, what a great teammate. We're all about relationships here in Indiana. Really? Okay. Guess what? Marlon Mack got cut as soon as the Colts could cut him. The second the Colts could cut him. Relationships, my backside, this is a business. You try to get players to understand that you're trying to do the best for them, but this is a business. So Mac goes to the Titans, and guess what? Titans, word on the street, cutting some pretty good people. Marlon Mack, probably one of them, but he doesn't play special teams. Damian Pierce came on, and away you go. The confusing one for me, because I thought the dude was going to be a star, is O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard, there's something there because he, coming out of college, was it, man. Big, strong, athletic, got cut by the Bills. Kellen Mond, I never thought he was that good. Jacob Eason and Kellen Mond both got cut. Both were kind of like, man, they got a lot of talent. We'll take a flyer. For whatever the reason, neither of them did anything. Hell, the idiots in Indianapolis actually wanted Jacob Eason to start at one point last year, our dumbass media. Well, guess what? He got cut and Kellen Mond got cut. Vikings had him. Vikings drafted him. New regime comes in. Uh, a regime that is fresh, holding people accountable, looking at talent level. And guess what? Mond is gone. It's an interesting deal. Now, Alex Leatherwood in the middle. I got to talk about him for a minute. See number 70 right there, bottom middle. Man, I love that dude coming out of Alabama. And I'll tell you why. Yeah, it had to do with football. Everybody said he was great, first-team All-American, that kind of thing. But then I heard him interviewed after, after Alabama won the national championship. And I fell in love with the dude. I thought, man, this dude's awesome. What a fun guy to be around. You know what I mean? Like, what a smart guy. What an engaged guy. What a teammate. I thought, all right, I'm going to pay attention to this guy. Well, I did. And it wasn't great. He immediately became a starter. He immediately got his brains beat out. This preseason, it was like, man, you couldn't open up anything on the NFL, particularly the Las Vegas Raiders, and not read how Alex Leatherwood got his brains beat out by somebody. I feel bad for the kid. I feel bad for me because I like the kid. I still like the kid. Kid's a great kid. I hope he does well in whatever he's going to do. I hope he catches on. Who knows? But the fact of the matter is, Man, he became, I don't know, you guys don't remember this guy. His name was Elvis Patterson. He played corner for the New York Giants. His nickname was Toast because he got burned so much. Think about that. Think about if you are a cornerback in an NFL locker room and your nickname is Toast. Guys that are offensive linemen sometimes get the nickname Turnstile or Lookout. 
because they're always turning, yelling, look out to the daggone quarterback because his guy has gone through. It's crazy. All right. Clay did a thing on Scott Frost yesterday where he thought Scott Frost was the absolute perfect fit for Nebraska. He was. He is. He might have been. Maybe not anymore. And I agree with him. He also thought it's going to be tough to keep Scott Frost. Time to move on. I'm not giving up yet on Scott Frost in Nebraska. Let me go through a few things with you. And now you can tell me I'm crazy, but I understand in college football and NFL football, we all brag about overreaction Monday, right? And sometimes overreaction Monday becomes years. Here's where Nebraska ultimately is going to have to make a decision. I have a tendency to look beyond my nose. Nebraska is going to have to make this decision. Let me go through it. Nebraska's 0-1. They got North Dakota. They'll win. Georgia Southern. They'll win. Oklahoma. You guys love Brent Venables. Good for you. I'm not sure on Brent Venables. Let's say for the sake of argument, Oklahoma at Nebraska, they step up because the margin of error for Nebraska has been this. Give me that win. Give me that win. See, there are certain wins that you absolutely have to have. You can't mess around. One of them is North Dakota. One of them is Georgia Southern. Fine. And there are some others in Nebraska's slate here. Oklahoma becomes the next. Uh, Win and people are off my backside. It's a big-time rivalry going back to the Big Eight. Win and people are off my backside until what? Until the next loss. Let's go through it. Then Indiana comes in. Let's say they beat Oklahoma 4-1 with Indiana. They go to Rutgers, 5-1. They go to Purdue. Let's say they lose that, 5-2. Let's say they, you know, that way even if they get a split with Oklahoma and Purdue, they're still 5-2. Illinois comes in 6-2. Now these are games, Illinois and Minnesota, that you have to win or your season's screwed and you're going to be out. But they're both at home. It's a break back-to-back. You got a chance to be 7-2 after you beat Minnesota. Seven and three, because you're going to lose to Michigan. And then you you split. You got Wisconsin and Iowa. Let's say you split. I think it's at Iowa to end the season. I didn't put an at next to it, so maybe it's not. But let's say you win both. Now you're nine and three. Let's go worst case scenario, you're eight and four. This is what I said. What's the decision? What is the decision? Eight and four. See, that's probably what it's going to be unless there's a complete meltdown, unless right now the players are so tired of walking around on campus uh, hearing what an idiot their coach is because of the onside kick, and they buy into that. One of two things is going to happen, ladies and gentlemen. One of two things. Either that's going to happen. Oh, man, your coach is an idiot. Oh, man, you're sitting there in class. Yeah, it's at Iowa. So they'll split that, eight and four. Nebraska goes eight and four. What do you do with that? That's what's going to happen right there. Now, if it's, it's easy, if it's four and eight, I mean, if you lose Illinois, you lose Minnesota. Or if you don't get one of those wins, either Oklahoma uh, or at Purdue, one of the two. But if you're eight and four and you have beaten Oklahoma, hmm, I don't know. I, I don't know. You tell me. That's a quandary. I'm not, th- I'm not saying Scott Woods is, you know, he's not Urban Meyer, but I'm not as totally down as a lot of you are. Eight and four. You go nine and three, I, I think you got to keep him. Isn't there such a difference between eight and four and nine and three? 
Some things just look better, right? Seven and two, seven and three. Man, does that look different, seven and two. It just does. So I'm not ready. I'm not ready to panic on Nebraska just yet. I'm not saying they're out of the woods, but I just gave you something where Nebraska would have to figure it out. Do you want to keep an 8-4 and four coach? You know when you don't want to keep an 8-4 and four coach? When Urban Meyer makes a phone call and says, hey, look, I'm interested in your job. That's not going to happen. But that's when you don't give a crap about 8-4. and four. You're like, hey, we're out of here. Let's go, Urban. True that. All right. What if Marcus Freeman loses his first two games? Well, you know, Dan. Well... You know, one was a bowl game where guys opted out. And one is Ohio State. Well, I get it. I do. One was Ohio State. And I also get that a new coach, I also get uh, the whole uh, Marcus Freeman thing. I get it. Believe me, I do. Great dude. I said at the time they should hire Marcus Freeman as soon as he left. They did. Yay, Rod, go fight, win. But what if they start 0-2 and that 0-2 is a bowl game? And then it's exactly what everybody whined about relative to who? Brian Kelly. Why? Because Brian Kelly couldn't beat the great teams. Now, are you guys going to say, well, you know, we're going to give a pass. That's fine. Then you got a couple games at home, Marshall and Cal, at, at North Carolina, who looks like they got a decent quarterback. Really, this is as soft a schedule as Notre Dame could ever possibly have. You know, Stanford stinks, UNLV stinks, Syracuse stinks, Navy, Navy, Boston College. It's kind of funny. They got a quarterback that's ripping the former coach at, at Indiana, all right, or at Notre Dame. Yeah, Georgievic, good for him. Uh, USC, who could be really good by that time. Look, Marcus Freeman can crap the bed and still only have two losses going into the USC game. I mean, he could, he, he could, I mean, what's he got? Marshall? Cal, at North Carolina, BYU, Stanford, UNLV, at Syracuse. Clemson will be tough. Navy, I mean, does Notre Dame ever play on the road? Four road games. They've set this up nice for Marcus Freeman. But you got really three games that matter. Ohio State, Clemson, USC. Everybody complained about Brian Kelly just beating the teams like UNLV, beating the teams that, quote, don't matter. you got to beat the big boys. When will Marcus Freeman get his first win of note, of Notre Dame note? I don't think it's going to be Saturday. You never know. Notre Dame, the magic, all that stuff, you never know. But I do think that's what Notre Dame fans are looking at. Because, hey, look, one thing Brian Kelly did not do, he did not lose to the Marshals. He did not lose to the North Carolina. I guess he maybe did once. I don't know. He beat the teams he's supposed to beat, but Notre Dame fans whined, whined and complained that he didn't beat the really good teams. All right, I'm hearing this, and I want you all to shut the living hell up. Can we just do that? Ryan Day is on a prove-it year. You know, this, if anything ever, ever told you how hard it is to follow a legend, Ryan Day being talked about as being on a prove-it year. The man is, let me look at it, 34-4. and 
34 and four. Oh, yeah, but he's only two and two in bowl games and one and two in the college football playoffs. Really? He's only one and two in the college football playoffs? That's all? That's it? He's lost one. One Big Ten game. 23 and one. Now, I know what you're saying. Dockett, you always talk about it. It's the Mike Davis effect. Mike Davis became the head coach after Bob Knight left. Mike Davis, two years after Bob Knight left, took Indiana to the national championship game. He had Bob Knight players, yes, but he had Bob Knight discipline, organization, infrastructure. When the Mike Davis infrastructure took over, it fell apart. That's why people are saying this is a prove-it year for Ryan Day. Maybe so. I ain't buying it. 23-1, and you've proven yourself. 33 and 4, you've proven yourself. College football play, you've proven yourself. Come on. What Ryan Day has to do or has to avoid is losing to Michigan a second time. That's when it gets sexy. Like the first loss is crushing. And then when you get down to Michigan, you're like, oh man, if we're 0 2, particularly 1 at home, it's a capesta. But Ryan Day, no, there's no prove it here, but it does show how hard it is to follow a legend. Nobody, and I mean nobody in the history of football, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you can go back to the old Oklahoma days, but nobody in the history of football followed a legend better than two guys, Urban Meyer and Lloyd Carr. Lloyd Carr won a national championship at Michigan. People don't remember that. Hell, people barely remember that Lloyd Carr coached at Michigan until his grandson didn't go to Michigan. Urban Meyer followed Jim Trestle, and the day Trestle was out, and Urban was in, nobody even remembered Jim Trestle's name. Now, it's not the same yet with Ryan Carr. Urban won the first college football championship. It's not the same with Ryan Carr, but it is hard. It is really, really hard to follow a legend. And if Ryan Carr at 23-1 and is in a prove-it year, then God bless the Ohio State University because your standards are off the chain, yo. Serious business. Think about that. 23-1. and 23 and one. His two bowl losses have been in the college football playoff. Think about that. What they should be doing, and they did, because Gene Smith is the smartest, most powerful athletic director in the country. What they should do, and did, is extend Ryan Day. Did I say Ryan Carr? Do I keep saying Ryan Carr? Probably do. Ryan Carr is a friend of mine. He's a director of scouting for the Pacers. Uh, Ryan Day should have been extended, and he is. How many times was I going to say Ryan Day or Ryan Carr and no one was going to correct me? I don't know. Maybe I didn't. But Ryan Day deserves one thing and one thing only, and that's an extension, period. Uh, However, don't lose to Notre Dame. Don't lose to Notre Dame. And anybody that writes, prove it year, prove it year, uh, is out of their mind, don't pay attention to them, and that's it. A lot of people, let me go back to something. I'm on the YouTube chat. A couple folks are saying this. Hey, look, Scott Frost goes 8-4, and four, you keep him. I know, right? I know. 8-4, and four, you keep him. Yes, I know it's Ryan Day. I keep saying Ryan Carr. As the great Roberto DiVincenzo said after he signed the wrong scorecard to cost himself the Masters Championship... What a stupid I am. 
We're going to talk to Trey Wallace. We're going to talk about that game. Notre Dame, UC, uh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame, Ohio State. It would behoove both coaches to win the game. Here's the deal. One guy, the guy that wins, is going to feel an incredible sense of what? Joy? No. Relief? Yes. The guy that loses is going to be miserable until the next win. And then he's going to think back after the next win. Let's say Notre Dame loses and Notre Dame then plays Marshall and they beat Marshall 48 to 10 or whatever the heck it is. You're going to be happy about that win. But then you know what's going to happen? I'll tell you exactly what's going to happen. As a coach, you're going to go, oh, man, if we'd only. Oh, man, we should not Oh, man, why didn't we? And it's all going to be about the loss. I'm telling you, unless, of course, unless, of course, and there's nothing wrong with this, unless, of course, the losing coach is like the great Calvin Sampson who says, yeah, the player screwed it up, which I love. I swear to God, I wish I could have been like Calvin Sampson. I wish I could have been like, hey, we love. Hey, let's go right to Trey Wallace. Let's just keep going, baby. I got Trey Wallace on the line. We might as well keep going. Do we need to take a break, Ryan? Dylan? Let's just keep it rocking and rolling. What's up, Dan? The man is here. Hi, Trey Wallace. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Hey, I got to ask you a question. Does Notre Dame stand a chance in the horseshoe? Man, I really like the 17 and a half points they're getting right now. I mean, <laughs> you look at it and it and it kind of feels like what we're getting uh, in Atlanta with like Oregon and Georgia. Uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Oregon and Georgia and Atlanta where it's just you look at the points and you're like, you're kind of stunned by it. But I think, you know. I think Marcus Freeman can do enough and has done enough in the offseason with his defense. You know, maybe they can figure out a way to keep this thing close. And if your offense comes back and, you know, um, Ohio State kind of scares me a little bit in the secondary. You know, can Marcus Freeman get down to get the ball down the field? You know, what does the offensive line look like? I think that's big for me. Um, But, man, you know, Saturday night, you know, at the horseshoe, in Columbus, I mean, I've seen – look, we have seen teams go into Ohio State in the first game of the year and give them hell over the last six years, seven years. So it would not surprise me one bit to see Notre Dame do it. Now, I know it would be tough, but I'm just – in general, Ohio State first game of the year in a Columbus, they've had some letdown performances. So I'm interested to see what Notre Dame and Marcus Freeman can do. I mean, we've seen yeah, I mean, we've we seen saw Baker Mayfield spike, spike the flag, spike right, the flag right, there the right there in the damn you know, in the middle of the you know, horseshoe. In the middle of the horseshoe. Yeah, we, we saw Virginia we Tech. We saw Virginia Tech uh, beat Ohio uh, State beat a few, Ohio State years, a few Urban, years ago when Urban was on his run. Was I do want to get into, into what you talked about. You talked about Dan Lanning taking on you know his old you know his old team. Georgia reloading, lost a ton. Uh, is it a matter of just simply, yeah, we lost a ton on Georgia, but the backups are so damn good, it don't matter? I, look, Georgia's got some work to do when it comes to, you know, this is not going to be the Georgia defense that you saw last season. Now, they do have some key parts coming back for them. Uh, when you have Beal at linebacker, you got Nolan Smith as well. 
Um, there's familiar names with this team. And on offense, look, it, it, Stetson Bennett's back, you know, so <laughs> they've got Brock Bowers at tight end. I feel like this Georgia team is going to need a few weeks to be a dominant football team. I think it's going to take some time, get some live reps for these players, be able to, you know, manufacture that on the field, hitting somebody else besides hitting each other. But I look at this game and we know the quarterback for Oregon. It's most likely going to be Bo Nix, who, by the way, was the former Auburn quarterback who is 0-3 against Georgia. So he's familiar with what the Georgia defense does. He might not have had much success, but he's at least familiar. So it adds another level of intrigue to this game. I mean, you mentioned Dan Lanning. You know, and I, I, I spoke with the um, Chick-fil-A Bowl uh, president who's putting on the event down there. And it was funny. You know, he went up to Kirby Smart and said, hey, you want to play this game in, in, in Georgia, you know, in Atlanta against Oregon? He said, okay, yeah, let's do it. Well, then the guy goes to Mario Cristobal, who was the head coach at Oregon at the time, and he goes, hey, do you want to go play this game against, you know, Georgia and Kirby Smart? And he was like, sure, fire it up. So the 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 magnitude and these teams coming together now without Cristobal, it's crazy how things line up, Dan, where the former DC is now going to go up against Kirby Smart. And um, I think this game's probably a little bit closer than 17 and a half points down in Atlanta. I just – Oregon has playmakers. Oregon's Writing got one of the top linebackers. I'm trying to talk to all the smart guys. And I'm, well, they've I'm got trying one of the to top talk linebackers to all the smart guys the like you for my weekend. What's that? Got one of the top linebackers in the country, and Noah Suo, Oregon does. And I just I feel like they can keep it kind of close here. So we're going to find out. It's going to be fun. Um, I have said this. I have said that for Florida State, This is a horrible opener because one thing that Brian Kelly's teams do is they out-discipline you. They simply are like dripping water. They don't screw it up. And everybody tells me, and maybe you told me this last week as well, the problem with LSU wasn't players over the last – they got some guys – The problem was the organization, the infrastructure, the coaching. And one thing Brian Kelly can do, man, he brings that. I don't like this situation for Florida State, but I love it for LSU to get a big win early. What say you? If Florida State is within three points in the fourth quarter, LSU's got a problem. LSU has enough defensive talent to keep this game far wide. I think what they do with the quarterback situation with Jaden Daniels or Garrett Nussmeyer, I think they'll be fine. I, I understand the the wide receiving core. You know, Brian, Brian Kelly's off. This is what's going to be intriguing to me. Brian Kelly's offensive philosophy and how they play this football game. And are you going to see a lot of, let's just say like the Joe Burrow era, at LSU, where you're throwing the ball down the field a lot. You're trying to mix it up with some, you know, five, ten-yard outs, pound the football. If that's what we see out of Brian Kelly, it's going to be very interesting to see, you know, how Florida State counters that. I just feel like Florida State's in a a funk right now. And Mike Norvell, if they go to LSU – I'm sorry, the game's in New Orleans. If they go to New Orleans and they get beat up and and, – you know, you're one and one. I just feel like things won't go well for him the rest of the season, especially looking at his schedule. Uh, 
but this is a matchup LSU, in my opinion, should win. Now, now you lose this first game to Florida State. You let Florida State beat you in the Superdome with 60,000 LSU fans there to open the season, it's going to look kind of bleak for the first year. I hope people realize this is a process to build them back up. Because, Dan, it was not the players. And I've said this before, and I'll keep saying it again. I don't think it was fully about the players. It was about the culture that they were trying to play under with Ed Orgeron. And I think that's what held them back. And uh, we're going to find out real quick uh, come Sunday night, uh, which is which is great. It's a Sunday night game. It's not a Saturday. We can push it back to Sunday night, and uh, it should be interesting down there in New Orleans. Hey, how about Vanderbilt? How about those Commodore? I mean, are they – look, I know Hawaii's not great. June Jones isn't there. But still, they went to Hawaii, dropped 63. You know, I mean, I don't know. The SEC pay attention to that? Let's go, wait a second here. What's going on here? When they got past the 24-21 point mark, I was like, huh, okay, this is interesting. This Vanderbilt team is about to put up a lot of points. And and even then I was like, okay, how do they screw it up? And it's not, you know, it's not being mean to Vanderbilt, but we've seen times in the past, you know, where they screw things up. But then it's, you know, it's it's 1230 at night. And Vanderbilt's up by 35 points over Hawaii. And I'm like, okay, well, this isn't the same type of squad that I've seen in the past. Uh, they cover the spread and more so. And it's probably it's going to be the most points scored by a Vanderbilt team. Oh, I don't know. They play Elon this weekend. So maybe, you know, they can outdo that. But look, I thought it was I thought it was kind of cool. They beat up on a Hawaii team that's really bad, Dan, but I still think it was kind of cool for Clark Lee. Uh, for him to get a win like that, for them to just finally put their foot on somebody's throat and twist it. And, and you haven't seen Vanderbilt do that in a while. So good for them. The rest of the SEC schedule is going to be tough, but good for them. Right. I mean, look, if they won 21 to 20 or something like that, you'd be like, yeah, but hey, wait a second here. 63. I think Florida, Utah. What are you seeing here, big boy? Florida, Utah. That's a good one early. I'm excited for that one. Um, you know what? Uh, Kyle Whittingham bringing his quarterback, Cameron Rising, uh, down to Gainesville. A Saturday night in Gainesville, Billy Napier's first game. I Look, I don't want to go crazy and say Florida's going to win this game, but I do think it's going to be a tight one. Um, I think the line is kind of sitting pretty with this one with Utah minus two and a half. Um, I, I think that you look at Florida, I, I understand they're going to be relying on Anthony Richardson in this game. Um, you know, the defense, they, the Florida has pieces on the defense, but my biggest thing is depth. They don't have a lot of depth at the moment. And if Utah, you know, Utah, Utah is a good team. There's a reason why they're number seven in the country, uh, preseason rank. They have a lot of good expectations for them this season. And I think if you look at Florida right now, I know that they have a quarterback like Anthony Richardson that could play, make plays with his feet, get outside the pocket, you know, be able to get the ball down the field. But my biggest concern is first game of the year under Billy Napier at home, you know, you, it, it, a top 10 opponent. It just, I feel like they've got some more work to do in Gainesville before they can get a win like this. So I'm going with Utah in the game, but I think it's going to be a lot closer. 
Uh, it's not going to be, I don't think, in my opinion, like a two-touchdown type of game. I think it's going to be closer than that. Um, and, I, and I feel like Florida can make enough plays with Anthony Richardson with his feet, trying to get the ball down the field to keep it somewhat close. But, um, but look, that'd be a hell of a win for Utah. I don't care what the score would be. You go into Gainesville and go into the SEC and get a win like that, that's big for Utah and what they're trying to do down the road. So um, Florida, though, Dan, they've got to watch it because Kentucky comes to Gainesville the next week in week two. And then two weeks later, they got to go to Tennessee. I'm just saying, if Florida doesn't watch it, it could be one of those one in three months coming out of September. Who Who is like Billy Napier? People are still in love, right? I got to believe yeah. Mike Norvell. Now, this, I could be wrong about this. You may tell me I'm crazy. But if I'm the coach of Florida State, right on my shoulder here is Deion Sanders coaching. Am I wrong about that? Nope. I think they screwed up last time. I think they got – screwed up is a strong word, but Florida State screws up a lot of things in the athletic department. Um, I, I think that they got a little timid when it came to hiring Deion Sanders last the last coaching round uh, when they hired Norville. Uh, they looked at a guy without much experience, which he didn't have. He'll be the first one to tell you. He'd, he'd have been a guy that comes in and runs it like a CEO. But we've seen – what he's done at Jackson State, um, and you look at him overall, he would be he would be a really good fit because here's what he would do, Dan. Deion Sanders would bring in the best coaching staff in the country. They'd give him enough money, assistant coaching staff. He's got a lot of friends out there, guys, that would love to get into coaching. And a lot of people that are, are in coaching at this moment that are friends with him that would love to be involved. So you get him going down there in, in, in Tallahassee. I'm just saying if Mike Norbell screws this thing up again this year and they only win five, six games, my first phone call would be to Deion Sanders and say, Hey man, I'm sorry about what happened last time, but please come home and let him be the CEO, Dan. Let, right. Let him be the CEO let the guys run the offense and the defense. He's going to have input on the offense. We all know that. But that's the biggest thing. And if, and if you want to make a splash at Florida State, go get Deion Sanders. Stop screwing around because somebody else will get him. Somebody else will take him from Jackson State. I agree with that. So Yeah, if you don't, somebody's going to, and you're going to be stuck. I, I That's why I think, like, I look at this year and I say, man, I know everybody's up, you know, and all over Scott Frost. I just went through. Scott Frost could very, very easily just beat regular teams eight and four, and then you got a decision. But I got to tell you, man, with Deion Sanders sitting there, Mike Norvell, woo, I think that's a hot seat, man. I, I, I actually think this. I don't think you can do this very often, but I think Deion Sanders, let's just say this is seven and five, whatever. At Florida, he can put pressure on Florida State, which you really can't do. You know, when you don't really need the job, but you want the job, you can put heat on people, right? You believe that? Yeah. Yep, I do. No, I, I absolutely do. I think that here's another thing, too. Deion Sanders has got a lot of friends in a lot of high places and enough phone calls to wherever, especially Tallahassee, you know, and, and, and the biggest thing, too, is it's all about fundraising. It's all about raising money nowadays as well. 
I mean, you know, think about what he could do when it comes to fundraising at Florida State. I just, you know, I look at it, and, and this is like, here's another thing, too. This would be like a completely different type of situation compared to, like, Scott Frost going back to Nebraska. You know, Scott Frost was, a you know, the coach at UCF. He's been an assistant coach at other places and whatnot. I feel like this would be completely different because Dion wouldn't act like Scott Frost, where Scott Frost wants his hands in every single thing. That's what screwed him up in Nebraska. He wants to be involved in every single little bitty thing with a football program, and it's tearing the coaching staff apart. And you look at the players, they just look down. Now, with Deion Sanders, he runs this program in a different way. I, I think it would be very smart. And, and I'm, I'm putting up an article today, and, it, you know, we're talking about, you know, how he's been, you know, using these commercial shoots with Nick Saban to gain influence and to gain knowledge about the way he wants to coach and what he wants to build uh, with his football career and i think it's smart i mean you're out there you know in these certain spots for two or three days with nick saban i take every minute of it to pick his brain and and you know and that's how you build relationships in this industry so it's smart we're about to find out real quick i think over the next two months the direction of what florida state's going to do heading into 23 hey uh before i let you go we what do we what are we to expect? Like my answer being totally removed from it is Jimbo Fisher should have a team that comes down to the last week to go to the college football playoff. Is that realistic? It seems like that's what Texas A&M should be about. He better. He better. I'm tired of the excuses with, with, with Texas A&M. And, and, and no offense. Look, no offense to him. I got some I got some friends that work down there. And um, but I'm. Look, this is the fifth year. You've got your quarterback. You've gone. You've gone with Hanks King, the guy you went with last year. You've got an offensive line. You got the, enough of enough of the excuses, man. This is not a football team that should be losing four games in a season. This is not a football team that should beat Alabama and then lose to Mississippi State. And I know about the COVID year and blah blah blah. Where they were, you know, fifth in the country and they had a shot at the end. Okay, that's fine. But that whole year was screwed up. And then you come back, you lose four games last year. Now this year, you know, your your first big test is going to come week four against Arkansas. But your fourth, fifth biggest test of the season is actually going to come week three when Miami comes to College Station. And I just feel like I just feel like this is a football team that needs to be in the top ten for most of the season. They don't need to drop out. They've got enough talent. And at the end of the year, if we're sitting here and Jimbo Fisher is playing in the Citrus Bowl against some Big Ten team and he's got three to four losses to his name, people are going to look at it as a huge disappointment, and they should. This should this football team, you know, it's like I said the other day to somebody, Dan, it's time for Texas A&M to be fighting for a spot in Atlanta in the, in the playoffs and stop worrying about losing games to people like Kentucky or Mississippi State or whatnot. You know, Jimbo Fisher gets paid nine million dollars a year for a reason. Start proving it. Last thing, what what are expectations for Lane Kiffin? I think you know, I, I, ten duplicating what they did last year, Dan, is going to be very difficult. I mean, you know, ten wins going to a Sugar Bowl, doing that back to back years at Ole Miss could be tough. But I think look, they've got playmakers on offense. I love Zach Evans. On, on offense. I think he could be one of the most 
versatile running backs in the SEC this year. Uh, they're going to make a, a decision at quarterback between USC transfer Jackson Dart or Luke Altmaier. And, uh, and this is a football team that could win eight games. And if they upset a team or two, maybe get to nine. But, um, you know, making it to the Sugar Bowl and whatnot, I think that was last year. But I think Lane Kiffin will continue to build, and they'll be okay. But, um, you know, they're going to beat somebody this year, Dan, that they're not supposed to beat. I'm curious to see which team that's going to be. So it'll, they'll be fun to watch, I, I tell you that. And uh, Lane Kiffin will, will be up to his usual antics on the sideline. But um, this should be a fun year. Last, last, last thing. Uh, oh, good. Jim Harbaugh went biblical. He said he went Solomon. Now, I say this. Trey, he said it's biblical how he chose. It's wisdom. It's the wisdom of Solomon. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. That ain't wisdom. That's stupid. Why are we listening to Solomon to make our quarterback choices, Trey? What are we doing? Look, I did not expect to go all biblical uh, on the Dan Dockett show uh, <laughs> on, a, on a Wednesday morning, but I will say that Jim Harbaugh coming out and saying that he's got a plan to play two guys over two weeks tells me one thing. He don't have a damn clue who the quarterback's going to be at Michigan this year. <laughs> he doesn't have a clue. So good luck. Good luck. Here's your two games to decide. That's fine. Go at it. Have at it. You don't have a clue. So – We'll see, how, yeah, we'll you know, see how it plays it, out. It is interesting, though. I, I do like Harbaugh because, most, you know this, you go to press conferences, most guys on game week, they wear their ties and they say, it's game week, you know, blah, blah, blah. I would imagine if you covered Harbaugh every week, you, you're kind of like looking forward to it because at least you know it's going to be something kind of interesting, no? Or He's going to say something. Right. He's going to say something off the wall. So, yeah, I mean, always look, always have your microphone or your recorder or whatever you use. I have it going when Harbaugh's speaking, because I promise you, he's going to say something that's going to blow your mind. This week, he talked about the Bible. Next week, maybe he'll talk about some different book that he's read and correlates to, to college football and, uh, and whatever, man. Good luck to him. God bless him. Hope he does good this season, but he don't have a quarterback. A couple of weeks ago, or what was it, a month ago, he was going to take in all of his players' children. He was going to run a daycare at the crib. There you go. <laughs> my, look, my man's staying on par, Dan. He's staying on par. Trey, can't wait to keep talking to you through the football season, my friend. I thank you for a few minutes of your time, brother. I look forward to it, man. Be well, Dan. Thanks, buddy. That's Trey Wallace, great follow, the best follow you're ever going to find for college football. You see it right there, Trey Wallace underscore. Uh, Jim Harbaugh, you know, we talked about this yesterday, but one of the things, like I'm watching an interview with Justin Fields, right? And, you know, players are different. Tony Kornheiser, back when he did his radio show and I started listening on ESPN, he had the slot, he was in Colin Cowherd's slot, before Cowherd was, after Mike and Mike, uh, and occasionally I'd have it on in my office. 
And I would listen, and he never wanted to have players on. And I'm looking at an interview with Justin Fields, and Justin Fields, the quarterback of the of the Bears, is saying all the right things. You know, we got a younger team, and we're going to be better, and guys hang out, and we love each other, and yeah, blah, 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 blah. And it, I swear to God, it's the same thing with college football coaches. College football coaches, they wear their suit and tie. It's game week. Game week for the entire Cougar Nation. The Elon Phoenix Nation. We're not messing around. Game week. All right, it's game week. All right. Uh, What does that mean? (laughs) It means that everybody better snap up, get get their last preparations in, and let's go. Fine. Game week. All right. Well, Harbaugh, it might be game week, but when you walk in there, it might be Solomon week. Hey, hey Jim, I, I hear what you're saying about Solomon, but Jim, I I know you're a family man, but to do that 700 wives, that's two a day for a year. Then we've got to add three concubines in there. Basically, you know, I don't know what the calendar was back then. I'm not smart enough to know, but come on, Jim, that's 1,000. Why do we need 300 concubines when we got 700 wives, Jim? I mean, that doesn't seem like wisdom to me. But again, I talked about this yesterday, so I don't want to keep repeating myself. But you got to admit, if you walked into a press conference and you had your phone and you're recording everything, you got to sit there and you got to laugh. You just do. And you got to be ready. All right. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo was offered a contract by a porn site. All right. He got a $5 million offer from a porn company. That's right. $5 million. Now, I don't know. Cam Soda, the vice president, Darren Parker, offered the quarterback 5000 to serve as their chief content officer. He would be responsible for, quote, curating their content, deciding which models to feature, and would have to host a weekly show re- reviewing Cam Soda's top new recruits. He has until September 8th. To decide. It is what the hell Wednesday. So there's a what the hell. What the hell? Jimmy G. Now I would sit down and say, all right, what do I got to do? What do I have to do? What's my job? I understand what the job says, but what's my job? How long is this show? Do I have to quit football? Do I have to sample the merchandise? If I'm Jimmy G, look, I've never been porn guy. I don't want to be porn guy. I never want to be porn guy. I can't be porn guy. It's not in my DNA. I think porn guy is in their DNA. I had a friend that literally couldn't go two days without sniffing around trying to have sex somewhere. And I'm like, man, let's go to a ball game. Nah, I got this girl I'm seeing. You're not seeing her. Porn guy is a unique breed. I know that Jimmy G did date a porn star, apparently, when he first got there. But that doesn't mean Jimmy G's porn guy. That just means maybe he was out 
wanting to have an interesting date. Maybe it means that Jimmy G was just, oh, I don't know, chilling. I don't even know if he's asked to be an adult movie star. I don't know what he's asked to be. But whatever the hell he's asked to be, go do it, Jimmy G. You be you, baby. You be you. Damn. What the hell Wednesday? I got some good stuff. Go tell your friends right now. You guys on the YouTube chat. Hey, El Presidente, we used your what the hell Wednesday. I got some Biden. I got crazy stuff like what are the Cowboys doing at quarterback? I got an emotional support animal that you're not going to believe, Lee. You won't believe it. And then, of course, Ryan Burr joins the show coming up as the LIV tour. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? The LIV tour is not slowing down, Lee. I see you eyeballing. What's going on over here? Got a mess. May have to have the good folks come out. But anyway, uh, we got that. We got a lot going on here. Jimmy G, adult film star. If they offered me $5 million, Lee, my wife is over here, to be the content director to do a daily show, or not a daily show, a weekly show about the new recruits for Cam Soda's porn industry, and I was responsible for picking the gals, would you say okay? I don't know. I don't know if we'd be married. Come here. You can't come in today? You don't know if we'd be married? I don't know if we'd be married. Five million. Is it worth it? That's the question. I don't know. Is it worth it? Jimmy G's making six and a half. That'd be a nice $11 million deal. It'd be worth it for me to do. I think five million at this stage of my life. We do it for two weeks, two years, a year. We're done. Goodbye. You're by yourself with a whole bunch of money. I'm... (laughs) My wife just said, buy yourself with a, no, you don't have to sample the goods. You're just evaluating, you're recruiting, I'll bring you in. You know, don't do it, Jimmy G. Don't do it. All right, you're going to like this What the Hell Wednesday, I promise you. What the hell? We got a lot of what the hell's going on. Keep it right here. Hey, Lee, retweet our show, will you? We'll be right back. Hey, it's Hutton from Outkick 360. If you couldn't catch the show yesterday... Here's what you missed. If they cut him, they don't owe him anything, right? No, non-guaranteed. Garoppolo. That, yeah, Garoppolo I'm talking about. Like, I don't know why you keep him around. It's going to end up like, I know how the story ends. He's going to come off the bench and help them win a game. And, but if you believe that, you don't treat him the way they treated him this offseason. Well, I think think both sides expected the circumstances to be a lot different by the end of August than they were. And so then you revisit it. This is the college baker coming out here with the comments. We've got the quote. Uh, He has a strong message for former teammates. Cynthia Freeland on Around the NFL podcast said, Baker said, quote, I'm going to F them up. (laughs) Talking about his former team. This sounds like, Oklahoma Sooners, Baker Mayfield to me. Planting the flag at the 50-yard line type guy. I'm, I'm intrigued to watch this guy play week one. Panthers, Browns just went up a notch based on the trade itself, but knowing that he was kicked to the curb and knowing that Cleveland's paying $10 million of his salary this year. We're discussing the sports topics you care about from every angle. 
Catch me, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski each weekday afternoon, 3 to 6 Eastern, right here at OutKick.com. Stay with us on the OutKick Network. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. It's Wednesday, ladies and gentlemen, and that means what the hell Wednesday. So one of the staples on our YouTube chat is the great Sean Black. Sean Black, El Presidente of the YouTube chat, sent me this video. You guys got to see this. A band leader coming out at halftime was so blanked off that he started yelling at the referee. See him right there on the left? He's yelling at the referee. About pass interference. Guess what he got? The dude got a 15-yard penalty. Union locals band leader. He was ejected from the game. He was chewing out the ref. And he got a 15-yard penalty. If I'm the coach, I kind of like it, but I kind of like, dude, you're killing us. You're killing us. Banjo's walking out there. Guy's hot. You know what you got to like about that, though? i tell you what you got to like about that. You got to like the fact that the band leader cares so much about what's going on in the football game of his high school that he's willing, because everybody that does that knows there's going to be a camera on you, knows it's going to end up on shows like this, that he is willing. And what he used to do is to get a penalty for the team. Here's what it says. Per... Uh, high, National High School Federation rules. Game officials shall assume authority for the contest, including penalizing unsportsmanlikes act, 30 minutes prior to the scheduled game time, an earlier time if required by the state association, or as soon thereafter as they are present. Meaning, if you're out on the damn field, 40 minutes, you can be under the jurisdiction of the officials. How about that? There you go. There, it's awesome that this guy, John Blake, can quote, he can quote a rule from an I, or not an IH, a National High School Federation rule book, verbum and verse, verb, whatever and verse, 
chapter and verse. But the band leader, well, the band leader, I'm all in on him. There ain't nothing wrong with him. And I thank the great Sean Black for sending that to us. That's unbelievable. I mean, you look around and you go, uh, what, what, uh, what, what, what? Why are we getting penalized 15 yards? What what did you what'd you idiots do over there? The players are yelling, right? We didn't do nothing, coach. What are you talking about? Then you look at your assistant. What'd you clowns do? What the hell? Coach, I was holding for the kicker. Coach, I was taking a dump. Coach, I was smoking a fatty in the bathroom. What are you talking about? Hey, coach. Hey, ref, who what who is the penalty at? The big guy over there looking like a human tomato. What? Yeah, that's right. The band leader. What are you talking about? And then, as all coaches do, right, you go to the film. And the film, well, the film don't lie. There's the band leader. There he is. Wow. (laughs) Is that great? Good for him. All right, Jolton Joe Biden used to be a basketball player. Jolton Joe Biden, corn pop. You know Jolton Joe Biden? Well, do you know Jolton Joe used to go to the tough side of town where he was the only white guy? What's wrong with white people? White people, I'm going to make a plea to you. Can you stop thinking that it enhances your cred, saying, I was the only white guy they let play. I was a lifeguard. I was the only white guy on the east side. Let's hear from Jolton Joe Biden real quick here. For a quick, what the hell you do? Jolton Joe. Attorney General of the state of Delaware. And what he used to do is go down on the east side, the what called the bucket, highest crime rate in the country. There's a place where I used to, I was the only white guy that worked as a lifeguard down in that area, on the east side. And you know where the, you can always tell where the best basketball in the state is and the best basketball in the city is. It's where everybody shows up. Attorney General. Hey, I got a black friend. See, I've always said people have this backwards. White people are so, so, so looking for the approval of black people. It's, it's unbelievable, really. Like, you know where the best basketball is played? Really? Why is that, Joe? <laughs> Why is that where the best basketball is played? Oh, man, you're the attorney general. I mean, why is it the highest crime rate? You're the Delaware attorney general he was talking about. Why is the highest crime rate in the country under your watch, Joe? Look, I'm a white person. I played basketball. I grew up in Gary, Indiana. First game we ever played, we beat Gary Roosevelt. I'm screaming, man. I ain't trying to be cool. I don't give a damn about being cool. I just whipped everybody's ass. Black, white, didn't matter. If you were in that gym and you weren't in our uniform, I whooped your ass. And I came out talking. That's right. I came out talking to the point where I rolled down our window. I've told this story many times. And I'm just yelling. Now, Andre in high school, we were considered the rich little kids, right? We were. I mean, it was a Catholic school and Gary. It used to be Gary, Andre, and then they changed it, right? I'm going to be Joe Biden here. But Jimmy Bullock, who was a kid who should have gone to Roosevelt, but he went to Andre and he played at Purdue. He dropped about 20. I dropped about 30. Next thing you know, we're talking. I'm yapping. 
I don't give a damn if you're white, black, green, or purple. If you were not in an Andrean uniform, we kicked the living heck out of you. And all of a sudden, here it came. Boom! On the side of the daggone school bus. You know how loud a tire iron is against the side of a school bus? My coach went nuts. Jimmy B and I just laughed. Give a day. Oh, man, the best basketball. Best basketball where I was played, Gary, Indiana, was wherever the hell we were. If Bullock and I or Ronaldo Thomas, if we showed up, it was the best basketball. That's why I always treat people the same. White dudes are great. You know, man, when I was a kid, I was the only white guy allowed to go play basketball. Really? God, I look at you so differently now. (laughs) Oh, man, I got to tell you, I think the world is funny. I do. I think the world is really funny. It is. It's funny. White dudes are so, so looking for the approval so they can be down. I am who I am. I treat everybody the same, good, bad, happy, or sad. And away we go. I treat you with respect until it's time not to. Man, it was down in the bucket. Joe Biden. Can we play that again? Can we we just play Joe Biden just trying so hard to be down? Attorney General of the state of Delaware. Every and what he used to do is go down in the east side, the what called the bucket, highest crime rate in the country. There's a place where I used to, I was the only white guy that worked as a lifeguard down in that area, in the east side. And you know where the, you can always tell where the best basketball in the state is and the best basketball in the city is. It's where everybody shows up. Attorney General of the state. That dude said more racist things than any white dude elected to office in the history of the country since 2000. Let's go that route. Because Strom Thurmond and some of those other idiots, uh, you're never going to touch them. But that guy has been the most racist president, the most racist senator. Uh, the things that he says are so idiotic. And we, you know, he's gotten to a point because of a liberal media that he can say whatever the hell he wants and no one's even going to question it except shows like ours. Here's one thing, white people. Let me, let me just help you. He started doing that, and then he caught himself. I guarantee you Joe Biden's entire life, he's changed the way he talks when he talks to black folks. I guarantee he started saying, he's sad. <laughs> I had to tell all kind of different people, look, man, you don't have to change the way you talk when you're interviewing a black player or a black general manager. Just talk. Be a human being. Just talk. White dudes so, so want to change the way they talk, man. How you doing, man? Oh, man, that's a what the hell. Joe Biden is the gift that keeps on giving. Yesterday, Sniffin' Joe was walking outside in public with a mask on. He got in the plane and took it off. 84 million votes. 84 million. I said it. 84 million. All right. This always kills me. This is the way... The world works. Yeah, Biden has a way with words. Donovan Mitchell is not jazzed about Utah anymore, ladies and gentlemen. What are you talking about, Double Dizzle? Well, let me tell you. Donovan Mitchell has done what all big-time adults do. Donovan Mitchell is not happy. Donovan Mitchell, I'm sure there will be, oh, I don't know, something stupid, maybe something racial, who knows. But Donovan Mitchell has gotten rid of all of his Utah Jazz content 
on his social media. This is what grown, what guys tell me. What guys tell me. They tell me I'm a grown-ass man. Okay. All-star guard Donovan Mitchell removed Utah Jazz from his Twitter, Twitter bio. Oh, my God. He must be really pissed. Despite being employed by the Salt Lake City-based team, it is a blockbuster trade around the corner. Is Mitchell headed to the Knicks? Any Woj bombs coming? Oh, my God. Oh, my God. What is he doing? R.J. Barrett just signed for $120 million. Is this a sign that Donovan Mitchell wants out? Is this a sign? This is what grown-ass adults do now. Actually, most guys, you know, they're still in their 20s, so they're kind of kids. At least they're an old fart like me. But this is what we do now. I'm running to my social media. I'll show you. I'm taking off everything. You won't even know. That's how mad I am, Utah Jazz. Doesn't matter that you're paying me eight bazillion dollars. Doesn't matter. You offended me. My feelings are hurt. Next time a grown-ass man, a.k.a. sports star, talks to you or us or anywhere about him being a grown-ass man, see if he has ever deleted his social media. I'm mad, Utah Jazz. I'm not putting you on my bio anymore. I'll show you, Utah Jazz. We got kids, man. You know, it's kind of funny. Utah is, I don't know, great place, bad place to be. I got no idea. I I literally have none. I don't know if it's good, bad, happy, or sad. I just had a really good friend uh, come in for the weekend, lives in Paradise, Utah, and he loves where he lives, and frankly... I've been to his house. I love where he lives. Donovan Mitchell signed a five-year, $163 million contract. The average salary of it is $32,600,000. He was guaranteed the entire thing. Somehow, somewhere, Donovan Mitchell's little feelings got hurt. Donovan Mitchell was upset, and he is going to get rid of of all, I'm getting rid of all of my stuff because my feelings are hurt, but I'm a grown-ass man. Grown this, you ain't a grown-ass nothing. Anybody that goes and does that ain't a grown-ass nothing. Uh, Jerry Jones is, ladies and gentlemen, he is smarter than all of us. If you don't know who Jerry Jones is, well, Jerry Jones, he is the general manager, the president, the owner of the year-by-year floundering Dallas Cowboys. That's who Jerry Jones is, in case you did not know. Jerry Jones just did this yesterday. He cut all of his quarterbacks, except for one, Dak Prescott. Cooper Rush, Will Greer, released. Likely both will be back in some form. But see, Jerry Jones is the only owner slash general manager smart enough to do that. Yeah, he is. Now, Cooper Rush actually played in one game, started, won it. 
passed for 325 yards against Minnesota, you would think somebody's going to be the backup. I mean, let's be honest, Dak Prescott has been hurt before. But remember this, when it comes to football, on field, personnel decisions, Jerry Jones is smarter than Lombardi, Belichick, you name it. Jerry Jones is the only guy smart enough to keep one quarterback. And here's the logic behind it. Look, if you're going to be a guy, if you're going to be a guy like Dak Prescott, and remember, quarterbacks have to run the team. You're going to be the guy. You can't have any competition. It's his team. Remember how everybody says, well, you know, Dan, if you've got two quarterbacks, you've got no quarterbacks. Okay. You know, Dan, uh, we don't need a quarterback controversy because a quarterback controversy divides these soft, mentally soft-ass football players. Remember, if you have two quarterbacks, somebody's going to side with so- – why is anybody siding with anybody? So you know what Jerry Jones did? He's smarter than you. He's smarter than everybody. He eliminated the middleman. He got rid of – it is now officially Dak Prescott's room. It is now officially Dak Prescott's thing. It is now officially Dak Prescott's team. As if it wasn't before. But that's how smart Jerry Jones is. Look, I don't know what Jerry Jones is going to do. Maybe he was hoping Sam Ellinger of the Colts was going to get released or put on a practice squad and he was going to pick up Sam Ellinger. Maybe that's what he hoped. That didn't happen. The Colts kept him. Maybe Kellen Munn, who played at Texas A&M, who just got released from the Minnesota Vikings. Maybe he's hoping he can pick up Kellen Munn. I don't know. It's not that big a deal because, well, frankly, you're going to re-sign somebody. But let's be honest. He's smarter than you. I don't care what you say. You think you're as smart as him, but you're not. He's smarter than you. Smarter than every GM. What other GM would be smart enough to get rid of all the quarterbacks so we firmly establish that the firmly established quarterback is firmly established as the quarterback? Follow that sentence. Mm-hmm. I think you all are nuts. Like, I, I think the world is insane. And I don't understand this. One thing I never mess around with is nature. The other day we had a storm. I paid attention. I went outside. I covered up everything that needed covered. I put down everything that needed put down. I respect Mother Nature. I respect science. Don't you? I respect it to the point where if I think something's going to happen that could be a detriment, I stay away from it. If I'm playing golf in Florida, which I was this year, and there's an alligator over there, I go, wait a second, how about we drop the ball over here? We call it the alligator rule. I respect the fact that the best lion tamer, Siegfried and Roy, You can't do it any better than Siegfried and Roy. You can't tame these tigers, these lions, whatever the hell they had. And one of them still mauled one of them. I respect animals. I respect nature. Let's run this. We have an emotional support 
alligator. Can we run this video? All right, here you go. Take a look at this unusual sight today at Love Park. Eyewitnesses spotted this alligator named Wally. Wally, of course, Wally Gator enjoying the water. Oh. Wally is actually an emotional support alligator. And people there tell us he enjoys being petted and hugged. Mm, so there you go. Very snuggly. It, it is. Wally Gator. Very nice. Thank, Thank you. You buying that? I mean, are, are you seriously buying an emotional support alligator? Like, look, I think a lot of us, I think a lot of us will say, all right, man, I get it. You know, you're, you're, you got an emotional support dog. You know, I've been to different things. Uh, I can, which is a dog program here. And I, I, I was amazed at what dogs could do. I really was. And dogs can help you quit smoking. Dogs can help you do a lot of things. But can I ask you guys, particularly you guys on the YouTube, can I ask you, do you really believe that that alligator at some point isn't going to eat that little girl's right leg, eat the ham hock right there in the thigh, take a look and go, you know what, man, food. I mean, I, I, I don't know. That's how I look at the world. Maybe I look at it cross-eyed. Maybe I look at it wrong. Maybe I say to myself, hey, look, you need to expand. But I got to tell you, and this is why I prefaced showing you that, because let's be honest, man. Let's be totally honest, all right? That alligator's going to grow up. That alligator's going to get hungry. That alligator's going to eat something, and you just got to hope it's not your little daughter's leg. I like what Sean Black said. I don't want an alligator anywhere near me. No. 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 Dan, of course it will. Then they'll cry about it. Do stupid things. Win stupid prizes. That's from Spice Rack. Fatty Matty says, Dan, you can't be wrong because you always agree with me. I'm with you, Fatty Matty. I'm Fatty Danny. I mean... Dan, don't be a reptist. I'm being a reptilist. <laughs> Ron Richardson on the YouTube chat says, hey, Dan, at some point that little girl's going to taste like chicken. It's exactly right. Uh, Dan, what's a worse animal for a kid? An alligator or a boa constrictor? I would say yes, both. Alligator or boa constrictor, why would we want to, why would we want to bring, and I want you to think about this real quick, anything in our house that could kill us. And don't tell me the dog. I mean, you know what? That's why I would never get, what's those dogs, pit bulls? I never, I'm not bringing a pit bull into my house. I'm bringing Lula. We found her in a garbage can, or we didn't. Our neighbor found her in a garbage can. Paid a couple bucks, and now we're raising Lula. I'm all in on that, but I'm not bringing a pit bull in here. Yeah. When the gator bites her, they'll put the gator down. Actually, I really don't care. I'll stop with this conversation. That's probably it. But I'm just telling you, it is What the Hell Wednesday. And as, uh, oh, I don't know, uh, What the Hell Wednesday, I do think, ladies and gentlemen, that we must discuss... Things of this nature.
I'm just saying. Things of this nature we must discuss. And that is insane. Look, do yourself a favor. Get yourself a nice pet. It's that simple. All right. Let's talk about a couple of other things. A lot of you aren't, a lot of you aren't hip to me saying Donovan Mitchell. A lot of you are not hip to me saying Donovan Mitchell is acting like a child by getting rid of his, uh, what is it, Utah Jazz stuff. Look, my son doesn't coach at Elon anymore, but I got no problem wearing the Elon Phoenix. Actually, it's as much for Elon Musk as the Elon Phoenix. If it fits, if it fits, let's go. That's as simple as I can make. If it fits and it's comfortable, I'll wear anything. I mean, I don't even give a damn. I will wear it. But I'm not getting an emotional support alligator. All right, couple of things. Uh, when we come back, you know the Live Tour isn't stopping. It's interesting. The number two player in the world, and that's how it goes with the Live Tour. The Live Tour is not stopping. They just picked up seven players, including Cam Smith, the mulleted one. And you know what? Some of these guys are saying exactly what they should be saying. Hey, I'm making more money doing this. How can people, how can people in this country that leave jobs all the time criticize these players for leaving for the money. Now, if you want to criticize these players for leaving for lesser competition or leaving because of the Saudi government, then you do that. I got no problem with that. All right? No problem. If that's what you're going to do, do it. But you can't criticize anybody for leaving a job for more money. Hell, your favorite player does. Your favorite coach does. I, I, don't, I don't know why that, that is even in the conversation. And at least Cam Smith and the rest of these guys said, look, hey, I'm sorry, but this is generational money for my children. I still get to play golf. I still get to compete like crazy. It's generational money. Hard to blame them. That's why I told my wife earlier in the show, what other show do you get the host arguing with his wife about whether he would become the porn king of Cam Soda? Cam Soda, if Jimmy G says no, you might be able to have all this for $4 million a year. And I won't touch the goods. I'm not that kind of guy. All right. Uh, $5, get $200 in free bets. That's right. That's DraftKings. DraftKings will get you covered with everything you want in the college professional football season right now bet five dollars new guys new signings you see it right there new customers bet five dollars to get a quick 200 in free bets instantly that's right i said it instantly sign up put a little cash in there bet five dollars tell you what you want to really win bet five dollars on something else take all 200 and put it on purdue tomorrow Plus three and a half. Your toes are going to be tapping. You take out the money that you put in there and you're rolling. Keep the money that you put in there and bet more. But be careful. Gambling problem, 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NY. There you go. Be careful. Be smart. I'm being smart. I am. I'm being really smart. And I'm going to tell you, 
I am going to tell you what my bets are every day at the end of the show, where I am at. Last night, I lost $25 because the kid that beat Nadal in the first set was plus 600. I was going to watch the match. I figured, you know what? For $25, pretty entertaining stuff. Nadal did what Nadal was going to do. He crushed him, and I lost $25, but okay. What are you going to do? Actually, it was 20. It wasn't 25. I was going to win about 150, something like that. Whatever six times is, 125. It's fine. Yeah. All right, we come back. The Live Tour and my man Ryan Burr, who did college football tonight forever, he's going to get us ready on the Live Tour. He's going to crush the Colts. He's going to tell you who to bet on this weekend in, not golf, but he's going to tell you who to bet on in college football when we come back with the great Ryan Burr. What's up, guys? It's Tommy, and if you missed my last show, you may be experiencing some FOMO, so this is what you missed. In the case of Sydney Sweeney, don't even get caught throwing a birthday party for your 60-year-old mother that has even slight undertones of Donald Trump. And whatever you do, do not invite a guest that might support law enforcement because the Internet will lose its marbles. Yes, this is a real thing, and it trended for hours on Twitter yesterday. Turns out Sweeney threw a surprise hoedown-themed birthday party for her mom that included hats that said, make 60 great again, and get this, <laughs> she posed for a photo next to a friend or a family member who wore a Blue Lives Matter shirt. The horror, I know, lock that woman up. Just because no one has ever thrown a Joe Biden-themed anything, other than maybe a funeral, doesn't mean liberals get free reign to shame the Sweeney family. It's like I talked about in the beginning of the show today. The left is anything but loving and tolerant. They project their hate, their intolerance, their racism, and their bitter BS on us because, quite frankly, they hate themselves, especially the white ones. So go through a pity party or a justice riot or post a black square and get over yourselves because you're not that special. Over the weekend, I don't know if you saw, but there was a, a big dust up, a big debacle involving the wife of Jason Aldean, Brittany Aldean, who she posted you know, a little video saying that her she's glad her parents didn't change her gender when she went through a tomboy phase because she loves being a girly girl. Yeah, was it a little bit, you know, pointed? Yeah, it certainly was. But there were a couple other country artists, Cassidy Pope, Maren Morris, and a few others that were very, very triggered by her statement. And uh, they didn't take the advice of Michelle Obama. They did not go high. They went lower than low, calling Brittany Aldean insurrection Barbie, saying she's disgusting. I've got more hot takes every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday night, and you know I'll have some final thoughts at 7 p.m. Eastern right here on Outkick.com. How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool, white, sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. I always say nobody, and I mean nobody, brings it 
like the great Ryan Burr. You see him, you know him, you love him, covering golf all year. Long Tour Championship just concluded. Roy McElroy was the big winner. Hey, uh, Coach Burr, Roy McElroy had himself a hell of a time, right? I mean, he wins this deal. He's got a new league or something for him with Tiger, and he's kind of been the pulse of the PGA Tour standing up to the Live Tour, no? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it worked out. Double D about as good as it could work out. And, uh, and the PGA Tour, I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if it, it probably wasn't on, on this particular show, but I know I told you, I believe, in March or April that I thought Scotty Scheffler was a really good player, but not a, a generational player that many people uh, were putting him in. I, I think you and I actually made a wager that you've now lost. He would... Uh, not win again before the tour championship was over. So I look forward to collecting that thousand. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Scheffler completely disintegrated and, and Rory took advantage. That's golf, right? I mean, he, he blew a six shot lead. The number one player in the world blew a six shot lead. You know, he wasn't even making Rory make birdies. He was just making Rory make pars because he couldn't make a putt inside eight feet. Scheffler, that is. And McElroy was the the gigantic winner of the big the big cash at the end. Um, you know the PGA Tour. As far as your other question, you know, he and Tiger have a league. I mean, the PGA Tour had to do something, which is match the money and the chances to make money for their stars uh, compared to the stars that are being poached from the LIV and. You know, that's what's happening. If you're on the PGA Tour now and you're one of the 20 best players, you're going to make unprecedented money. If you're outside the top 20 on the PGA Tour, it's almost like we don't think you're going to go to LIV and it's going to be really tough to make money here. Uh, so it, it's going to be interesting, but there's no doubt that the Tigers, uh, the Rory's, the JT's, the Spies, the big names on the PGA Tour are going to make incredible amounts of money as this competition has raised the stakes to decide where the best players ultimately play. Well, PGA Tour, I know they're fighting against the Live Tour, but the PGA players ought to be happy that the Live Tour is around, man. You mentioned it. The competition has raised the stakes. Are players saying, hey, where the hell was this before the Live Tour came around? You obviously had the money. Why didn't we get it 10 years ago, five years ago? Yeah, you're not hearing that. Uh, the, the people on the PGA Tour have, that, that are staying have followed the company line and have um, put down and, you know, basically said that you know, the Live Tour is a, is a horrible, horrible thing. Uh, but the reality is what you, what you said. Would these purses have doubled and tripled? I said doubled and tripled if this competition had ever come along. And, I mean, we, you don't have to be a brain surgeon to say, well, it, it, it wasn't coming along the last five years, so it, it certainly has happened very quickly here in, in 2022. So, you know, competition uh, – while it's hurt the PGA tour in the sense that they have lost some really good young players as of late, it certainly has massively helped the players that have stayed. And Oh, by the way, you've also taken 48 of the best players away. So, well, that's not true. You've taken away some of the best players. There's still some of the, the older guys on the LIV that, that weren't going to contend on the PGA tour. But the reality is the, 
Dustin Johnsons, the Brooks Kepkas, the Cam Smiths, the Harold Varners would be taking paychecks on the PGA Tour. Well, everybody just moved up a few spots, right? Which means they're going to make more money as well. So, you know, I think quietly there's a lot of people on the PGA Tour that are like fist pumping, like this is the greatest thing that ever happened to me. I just probably improved my wealth by 10, 15, 20 million. Cam Smith leaving a big deal? You know, it is, but it isn't. He's young. He's the number two player in the world. He's won the crown jewel, the PGA Tour, the Players' Championship. He just won the British Open. Uh, But he's from Australia. And it's a big deal because what Liv is doing, if you watch what their game plan is, they are taking players from certain countries and building teams because their whole, whole strategy is to build the team deal. So there's a team from Australia, there's a team from India, there's a team from Japan, there's a team from, you know, obviously the U.S., there's a team from here, there's a team from there, there's a team from South America. And they put those players together, and then there's a team competition as well as the individual in Live. And you've heard players on the Live Tour say that it's it feels like the Ryder Cup every time they play on the Live Tour. I mean, they've gotten a lot of... Uh, They've gotten a lot of uh, pushback on, on the Ryder Cup field. But the reality is they're building these teams. So geographically, like this Cam Smith hurt P- the PGA Tour. Here's my take. There's nobody tuning in to see Cam Smith. Um, it's just a reality. There's no one turning in to see Mark Leishman or Anabon Lahiri. But, you know, as those players are taken away, it does add to the strategy of the LIV. I've always said this. The PGA Tour has the farm system that Liv doesn't have because Liv, obviously, is only a 48-man field, and it's going to be the constant poaching. The PGA Tour, we didn't know who Scotty Scheffler was or Sam Burns in January of 2022. Like you knew, I mean, if you're inside baseball, like, like me, you obviously knew they were coming up. I mean, great player at Texas, one on the corn Ferry tour, Sam Burns, all American at LSU, but you could pass them in the grocery store, 99% of America, and no one would know who they are. You know, we're talking about eight months later, and these guys are superstars because as I've always said, PJ tour is the only sport in America that is on your television every Saturday and Sunday from three to six, from January to November. And you know, the NFL doesn't do it. Major league baseball doesn't even major league baseball is not even on, you know, over the air television. I mean, golf is still in your living room and whether you're a huge golf fan or not, at some point in the year on Sunday at four o'clock, when you sit down on your couch, if it's raining outside or it's cold in the winter or you're, it's too hot outside, you, you end up putting on the greatest reality show in television, which is golf, and they introduce you to the next star. So now when Scotty Scheffler or Sam Burns is on the leaderboard, you're like, wow, this is a great leaderboard. Eight months ago, those guys on the leaderboard, it was, well, who are these guys? So the tour has the benefit that even as they lose stars, they have the ability that those guys will just be replaced by an all-American coming out of college or an, or a, a player that you know a young player that's graduating from the Corn Ferry Tour. So they have a farm system that I believe the tour will always be fine. Now, Liv is obviously raising the stakes because you look at their field in Boston this week. I mean, with all due respect, Dan, it's a hell of a field. I mean, you know every single name on there. I mean, it is 
it's a big, I mean, it's tough to look at that and be like, wow. I mean, they, they've got, they've got some dudes now. So it's funny because I think the tour will be fine. I don't think they even really needed to do. I mean, listen, the live tour is stock at 48. They can't do any more than 48 because that's the, that's the whole, the shotgun start deal is their deal. And and that's what they're going to do. They're going to play 48 players. So I think that the tour can always withstand losing. I mean, there's really not a whole lot of spots left now that Bubba and Harold Varner and Leishman and Cam Smith have gone. I mean, the next thing that happens is you start taking guys out of the field that you've paid a bunch of money to, to go to your tour. And now they're on the sidelines, not playing. That's not a great business model either. So I think we're settling in, um, live ultimately needs a television deal. If they get it, I think they're in really good shape uh, because I think the team thing is interesting and I think it could work. I don't think the tour has anything to worry about though, because I think the tour has a benefit that is just going to keep creating stars. So is it, is it good for golf? It's competition. So it's raised the stakes for sure. That's undeniable. It's, not great that you're not going to see these guys on the same leaderboard on Sunday, but you still have the four majors that they'll all theoretically be playing on the same course. What is Rory and Tiger's league? What What is this league? What is it? Yeah, it is. A, it's a team thing. Um, essentially, it looks a lot like top golf, but they have gotten, it's a way this is, this is what you're talking about. So the PGA Tour has always said, we will not pay our players to come play. That's always been the, you know, the deal is you've got you've to pay your own way there. You've got to pay your own hotel. You've got to pay your own food. And if you make the cut, we will pay you part of the purse. But there's no appearance fees on the PGA Tour. There's nothing like that. I think this is a combination of two things. So the PGA Tour players have, have bought in because it's Tiger and Rory. It's essentially going to be team golf on national television in prime time playing top golf. And it's a way to just continue to give millions of dollars legally to the players that have stuck around on the PGA Tour, which is another way to incentivize them to stay on the PGA Tour. So, you know, whether it works or not, it could be the most exciting thing on Monday night. TV we have, or it could be a bust. I haven't seen it. I've seen images of it. I know the concept. It could be great. It could be great. The reality is, though, the, the players that go on Monday night and play it, because there'll be all these different teams with PGA Tour players, they're going to be getting paid millions of dollars. So it's another opportunity to, here, stay on the PGA Tour. We now have a way where you can just show up and get paid. Well, uh, you know, Put me in the camp. I, I don't like team golf things. I mean, I like the Ryder Cup. I like that. But I don't know. I, I don't know. Put me in the camp of I like the PGA Tour. I'll watch the Live Tour if it ever gets on TV, but I don't want to watch Top Golf. Although I must say, I, I don't mind watching Brady and Josh Allen and those guys. Speaking of football, bring it, big boy. Ohio State, Notre Dame. You seen anything there that you likey? Oh yeah, this is uh, this is the, this is a lock of all locks. I mean, the, the Vegas is trying to keep up with how big of a mismatch this is. Uh, you know, Notre Dame out over their skis, new coach, Columbus, 
Ohio State is absolutely loaded for bear. They have the likely Heisman Trophy winner in C.J. Stroud. It's a matter of they'll put up as many points as they want. The spread now up to 17. Uh, I still don't think it's anywhere near enough. I like Ohio State 45, 24, 45, 17. You know, it's Notre Dame will make some play. will make some plays defensively. I don't, I don't see them offensively being able to do much. And the reality is Ohio state, you can't stop them. You can't stop their offense. It's unstoppable in the college game. And they're going to be a video game and put up 45, 50 points on Notre Dame. And that's going to cover the 17. So I'm excited to, to get the win early on. I'm excited to, to pad the bank account. I'm excited to get the season off one and oh, and, uh, you know, the question, real question we face now is how long will I go undefeated in the college game? I mean, can we make it to November without missing a pick? Can we make it into December? Can we get to the bowl games at 45, 46 and 0? Uh, I mean, that remains to be seen. You got any other picks, big boy? Or are you just taking a big one? I'm taking the big one because I think it's the best game on the board. I find the most intriguing game of the week is Utah at Florida. Um, you know, going to the swamp, Utah, a top five team in the country, the spread. I mean, the Gators are getting points at home in the swamp at night with a new head coach that replaces Dan Mullen, who was, you know, an unmitigated disaster at the end of his tenure there. Just not head coach material, good offensive coordinator. Uh, this guy, by all accounts, is uh, you know he's hard nosed. He's got. The... Go ahead. Dan Mullen won pretty good at Mississippi State. Get off Dan Mullen's ass. Well, he's a really good offensive coordinator. He's not a head coach. Um, he's on the sidelines. He he'll be a great offensive coordinator again. Uh, if somebody hires him a head coach, it won't work. Um, that's just you know reality of 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 the college game. Uh, good guy, good family, um, not big time power five head coach material. Uh, good off, really good offense coordinator. He gets with the right guy. You I mean, put him with like someone like Saban. I mean, he'd be amazing. You put him with urban. He was amazing. But when he's got to run the show recruit, um, his recruiting was a disaster at the end. I mean, it was, it got, it got ugly. He could not get players to come to Florida. And as soon as he left, good players are streaming back into Gainesville. So, you know, the proof's in the pudding. I know he's your boy. I'm, I'm not I'm not disparaging him as a person or his family. I think he's a great offensive mind. I just don't think he's really offensive or uh, head coach material. I think he proved that at Florida. I'm talking at the highest level. You know, Florida's a team that, that bases their season on do they win a national championship. Now, whether that's right or wrong, that's, what they, that's how they feel in Gainesville. Um, and he's not that guy. And that's a big-time job. It's one of the top probably six jobs in America. That's where Dan Mullen was. He was at the top six job in America. You put him in the 20s, he could probably succeed. Like you said, at Mississippi State, you put him in the 30s or 40s, uh, he'd probably be really good where you have to win seven, eight games to have a good year. You put him in one of the top 10 jobs in America, that's not him. How did it go on a referendum on Dan Mullen? And by the way, while you were talking, I texted him to come on my show tomorrow. Uh, any, <laughs> anyway, you like my Colts still? The number is nine. <laughs> nine is the over-under number. Come on. Yeah, I like the Colts over nine. Uh, but I think the Colts are as fraudulent 
a contender as exists in the National Football League. I think their division nine is real doable. Matt Ryan against bad teams, real doable. Defense good. Jonathan Taylor. Are they a contender with Buffalo, Kansas City, uh, the, Ram- uh, the, the Chargers, the Ravens, the Bengals? I mean, I can go down the line. They're not a contender. They're not a contender. They cannot win the Super Bowl. They cannot make the Super Bowl. But can they go over nine games? Yeah. Can they win the division? They better. It's a horrible division. It's a disgraceful division. I agree. I mean, Jackson. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. that's what I'm saying. Actually, I like the nine. But, I mean, if I'm putting them on the, the AFC power rankings, so pro- oh, now you just, you just raise the number on me. I like the nine. Keep it at nine. Well, the number according to DraftKings is 10. How are you for 10? You get a little protection there, right? You get a little protection. Yeah, I mean, there's 17 games now. I mean, 10's probably about right, but still that division is so horrendous. You know, you're playing six times in the worst division in football. Um, so that put, means you've got to win you know, four or five games outside of your division. They've got a couple padded wins. I would still probably, I mean, I put it at 10 too. So that, I mean, those people are really smart. I think it's about 10, but 10 and seven, I'll actually still take the over, but understand me when I tell you they are not a contender. They're not a contender in the AFC. They may have a really good record, but they have zero chance of unseating the bills, the Bengals, the Ravens, the Chiefs, the Chargers. I even put the Broncos ahead of them. Look, I really like the Broncos as a sleeper. I like uh, I like I like the receiving core. I like the running backs. I like their defense. I like Russell Wilson. I actually think that the team that everybody's sleeping on is the Denver Broncos. I think the Denver Broncos could win that division. I think the Denver Broncos could go to the Super Bowl double D. All right. So here's uh, Ryan Bird, the Denver Broncos. They're over under number. You ready? Yeah. Hold on. Hang on, caller. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, 10 as well. Yeah. Now, see, that's a tricky deal, too. I mean, I'll take the over because I just told you they could go to the Super Bowl. But, you know, the schedule, you're not winning in Kansas City. You're probably not winning in, in Las Vegas. You have to go and play the Rams, who we know are uber, ta- or the Chargers, who we know are uber talented. So, I mean, they're, they're so much of of football is schedule, right? I mean, that just is the reality of the situation. If you're playing really good teams on the road, you're probably going to lose. I mean, teams in the NFL, most teams, you know, protect their home, their home stadium. Um, With that said, I'll I'll still take the over, but Vegas is with me. Vegas is with me on the Broncos. The fact that the Broncos are 10 in that division tells you that Vegas is right there with me, that this is a juggernaut that people aren't putting in the upper echelon yet. You heard it here first. It's going to happen. <laughs> you know what I didn't hear? I heard you bashing Dan Mullen, but I did not hear you make a stand or take a stand on the Utah-Florida game. Right. Well, that's what I was getting at is, to me, I gave you my pick, Ohio State. For me, the game that I watched the most with the most intrigue is the Florida-Utah game because of the unknown of actually having – a disciplinary and a guy that is going to get the most out of his players and push them defensively and offensively. So for me, it's the most intriguing game on the slate. 
The fact that the Gators are getting points at home at night in the swamp in the first game of the year with a coach who we have no idea. I mean, this guy could be a complete failure or he could be the next Bear Bryant. I mean, you just don't know. And that makes it really difficult to handicap. I mean, I think Vegas is really struggling, trying to keep it around Pickham because they just don't know what. I mean, the Gators could come out and be could be unbelievable or they could come out and look like they haven't been to practice yet. I mean, you just, you have no way of knowing. So for me, definitely not on my card, but the most intriguing by far. Anything else on your card? Because your picks are always money, big boy. Well, I said, you know, this year, the goal is to get to December undefeated uh, without losing. It's uh, I've never been able to make it to December before. A few times I've gotten to, to Thanksgiving, which I'm not sure how many people do that, just go flat undefeated in their college and pro pick. So, uh, you know, out of the gate, uh, I'm going, I like the Buckeyes a lot. We're going to stick with that as the, as the game of record. I'm writing it down, and I'd like to have you on more if you ever stop traveling. So your first pick week when OSU minus 17. That's it. You got it. You got it. Thanks, brother. Appreciate you. Bye. Love that guy. He always brings it. Ryan Burr is always going to bring it. Hey, we got a woke dope today. We got some clown that's being stupid other than, you know, our elected officials. Uh, oh, my God. We are after renaming Plowman's Lunch to Plow Persons. They should be accused of wokeness. Oh, God. Does it really, really, really matter what a lunch is called? I mean, does it really bother you? Like, does it really? Is there anybody alive that walks in? There's a place here in Indy called Working Men's Friend. Would it really bother you? called working men's, M-A-N-S. Like, would you go and say, look, I'm I'm so sorry, but we really have to rename this to working persons. I would love, I I don't think I'm ever going to be in a position where we do something like that, have a name. Like, I do a show uh, afternoons, and you can watch it. Or, actually, you can watch it on YouTube. You can also listen to it on 1075thefan.com and Indy. And on Tuesdays, I do something called Biggins. Biggins is where we celebrate us fat people. Like, I understand that fat people, you know... um, We're not allowed to say it. Fat people are now, you know, glorified. I got to tell you, being fat's a mother. I wish I wasn't. I'm trying. I think about it almost every day on the hour. And then I get home at night and then I got to eat and I stay fat. Fat leads to health problems. Fat leads to high blood pressure, diabetes, bad joints. I will not ever be among those that says, well, look. You're body shaming me if you call me fat. I will celebrate big people. I will celebrate biggins on my show. I've had a few people, well, you shouldn't do that. You're making fun. No, 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 no. I'm celebrating. There's a big difference. But I'm not going to put an ad campaign out and say, hey, look, 
Being fat is healthy. No, it's not. Never has been, never will be. I wish I wasn't. I got, I'm not fat from here. I'm fat from right here at the stomachy, right there to under the stomach. It's going to cause me to die early, and I wish and I hope at some point in my life that I can get rid of it, but I can't. I don't know why. It just will not go because I keep eating. So people bitch, whine, and moaned about, you know what? Oh, I shouldn't say that. I'm sorry. I'm not supposed to say that phrase. People complained about me saying biggins. I don't care. I'm not apologizing. People call in. They tell me how big they are. They answer a question. They, win, they get a triple X shirt or a quadruple X or a five X. It is what it is. Don't at me. But I'm certainly not going to put some 700-pound model in some freaking scampy underwear and say, hey, look. Look. Look how healthy. All right. All right. Anyway, hope everybody has a great day. Thank you for listening. Retweet our stuff. You guys aren't doing it good enough. Just a team effort. Come on, Sean Black. Retweet stuff. Let's go. Let's get it out there. You guys that enjoy <laughs> enjoy me, I guess, uh, every day. Tweet. You got all this every day. Retweet our stuff. Let's get up to hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people. You've made this show successful, and I very much appreciate it. I do. I very much do. Uh, tomorrow, we're going to get you set gambling this weekend. Uh, hammer time will be off. So I actually did, while we were talking, text Dan Mullen to see if he'll come on the show tomorrow. Apparently, he's got a new job as an ESPN analyst. Uh, I always liked his wife, Megan. She was a news anchor in Toledo when I was a basketball coach. So we'll see if we can get Danny Mullen on. We're going to get the guy. Hey, we got to get the guy that agrees with me on Purdue, the uh, outkick bets guy. Because if you agree with me, then you're a damn genius. What are we talking about here? Uh, I got Herbie on my afternoon show. I got Dave Rebson on my afternoon show. Come on over, 107.5 The Fan. And then, you know what, come on right back here at uh, Outkick 360 with Kuharski, uh, Jonathan, and Chad and the fellas as they get you ready for what is going to be an unbelievable weekend that starts tomorrow with Aiden O'Connell taking on Penn State as the road to a Heisman. The road to an Aiden O'Connell Heisman starts Tomorrow. Tonight, we got Serena, baby. Serena takes on the number two player in the world, and I'm taking Serena. Johnny Mack. Johnny Mack told me on TV. He said, look, Serena's playing the number two ranked woman in the world, and she's having trouble, the number two. If Serena finds it, like she did the other day, I might be winning some money, but Serena's plus money. You kidding me? All right. Have a great afternoon, everybody. Enjoy the rest of your day. It's beautiful here in Indy. Get out and play. See you. Thanks, David. That was-